0: Welcome to CPAC Today in Politics. Coming up, assurances from the Prime Minister that our vaccine supply is secure. As a poll finds the majority of Canadians blame the federal government for delays. Vaccines were that light at the end of the tunnel right when people heard about it. It kind of gave people that sigh of relief that, you know what, once I get vaccinated, once my loved ones are vaccinated, maybe we can see a way through this. It was really that moment that gave people hope. Nova Scotia's premier comes under fire for comments he made about China during an interview with a business group.
1: Everyone is getting this wake-up call, everyone apparently except Stephen McNeil, whose comments are I think astonishingly naive. It's not up to Canada to tell China how to run its affairs, but it is up to Canada to defend its values and its beliefs around the world.
0: And new federal gun legislation would give cities the power to ban handguns.
1: We recognize that there are many municipalities uh, who have expressed a desire to move forward with further restrictions, including uh, banning uh, the possession, transportation, or use of uh, firearms, particularly handguns, uh, within their city limits.
0: It's Wednesday, February the 17th. I'm Mark Sutcliffe. Let's get right to the top political stories this morning. Joining us is longtime political writer and broadcaster Dan Legere. Dan, thanks for being with us.
1: Good morning, Matt.
0: So what do you think about where we stand on vaccines? There's new information every day, obviously. Uh, There was a poll yesterday showing Canadians blame the federal government, not provincial governments, for the fact that we're fairly low down in the standings in terms of vaccines per capita. Uh, that have been administered. Um, so uh, where do you think we stand today?
1: Well, you know, there there is progress being made. Uh, and as ever in Canada, when you have issues that mix federal and provincial jurisdiction, you're going to get differences of opinion and differences of perspective. Uh, you know, I think people are relieved. They're now starting to see their neighbors, uh, perhaps, uh, you know, family members starting to get the vaccine in different parts of Canada. And I think gradually as the vaccine rolls out, um, there's going to be less finger pointing and, and blame sharing and more a sense of growing security. Um, you know, so the other side of this coin, though, Mark, is if people are going to blame one level of government or the other, are they going to eventually give credit to those levels of government when the vaccination program really is hitting its stride and more and more people are are getting uh, inoculated? So, you know, it is politics. Uh you know, a lot of us would just wish people would get on with administering this and dealing with the crisis and get rid of some of the political partisanship around it. But uh, it's still politics. And this is Canada. And, uh, you know, nothing has changed, I guess, in that regard.
0: Yeah. And is this a case of all's well that ends well, that once everybody is vaccinated, or once we start to catch up, that that uh, the tension around this and the and the criticism and scrutiny will go away? Or will there still be lots of questions about why we weren't able to procure vaccines sooner?
1: Well, there's there's obviously going to be questions, but I think, you know, it's fairly obvious what's gone on. I mean, you know, the world was not ready for COVID-19. Uh, it wasn't ready for all these variants, which are popping up all over the place. Um, it's one of the greatest scientific uh, and medical achievements in history uh, to create this vaccine at the speed it was done. And there's credit that goes around lots of places for that. Um, but, you know, it's going to be a persistent issue, I think, in our society, like the flu, except a way more deadly and much more communicable uh, disease than the flu is. And I think it's going to be with us for many years to come. Uh, You know, it's getting the lockdowns out of the way, allowing the economy to resume and allow people to get on with their lives in a more normal way. And people being people, you know, we're not still mad about the Second World War. You know, uh, we do get over these things, and and eventually society returns to something like the, the mean that it achieves over the longer scope of time.
0: Yeah. I think there are still questions, fair questions to be asked about the lack of transparency, about the process that Canada went through to procure vaccines. And and some of the challenges you describe, of course, are ones that other countries faced as well. But they were able to vaccinate their population at a quicker rate in the past couple of months than Canada was, right?
1: Yeah, but I mean, it's not like looking at the Olympic scoreboard where you're counting up how many gold medals Russia's got, and Canada's got, and Britain's got, or whatever. Uh, this is a matter of public health and life and death. And, uh, you know, that said, there should be a thoroughgoing commission of inquiry of some sort, or or I don't know what quite to call it, but somebody independent of the partisan uh, parties in Ottawa has to be able to go back once the dust has settled a little bit and review what happened and prepare the country for when this happens again. Because, uh, you know, everyone still wants to get on the plane and go south or go here, go there. So there are going to be diseases and, and viruses spreading around the world forever. And uh, we live in a globalized economy. And uh, till we go back to living in caves, um, it's it's going to be a danger. But what Canada has to do, I think, is to bring about a thoroughgoing review of what happened. This happened in the SARS uh you know, crisis for instance. They later on went back and reviewed everything that had happened, and they they learned some lessons. Um, but apparently, some of those lessons were forgotten before COVID arrived.
0: Hmm. All right, let's turn to a couple of other stories. Uh, Canada's relationship with China is in the news. Uh, first of all, the Premier of Nova Scotia, where you live, Stephen McNeil, uh, has come under fire for some comments that he made, saying we should not tell Can- we should not tell China it's wrong. We should go and learn about the Chinese, and Wayne Easter, who is a longtime Liberal MP, former Solicitor General, uh, and a member of the uh, chair of the Commons Finance Committee, uh, has said that this recommendation that's come forward from the Finance Committee, a budget recommendation to pull Canada out of the Asian Infrastructure Investment Bank, which is backed by the Chinese government, uh, should serve as a wake up and smell the roses moment for this country so uh, there is this ongoing debate about uh, what we can do to uh, to put more pressure on Canada uh, on China rather uh, from Canada on the two michaels I believe it's been eight hundred days today since they were detained and about China's human rights record more generally
1: yeah I mean the whole world is trying to figure out how to cope with uh, the emergence of china as a global bully Um, you know the the kidnapping and uh illegal unethical detention of two canadians is just one example among thousands around the world of the chinese using their economic power and political influence to uh to bully and intimidate other nations and uh wayne easter um you know he is he is in a good position to understand these things because he had been uh a senior cabinet minister in in this sort of national security uh envelope and so he's well aware of these things however you know let's think about it wayne has been an mp for a long time and uh i'm sure he enthusiastically backed the many jean chretien trade missions to china the Team Canada, you know, uh, economic uh, uh, approaches that were made back in the day, and that continued for many years. Um, You know, and I think it's also fair to say the Conservatives have been more cautious about uh, China over the years than the Liberals have. But everyone is getting this wake-up call, everyone apparently, except Stephen McNeil, whose comments are, I think, astonishingly naive, um you know it's not up for yeah it's not up to canada to tell china how to run its affairs but it is up to canada to defend uh its values and uh and its beliefs around the world and uh and not to be intimidated or bullied by the chinese so uh this is a story that's going to take many years to unfold mark i think and uh china is not going to stop uh bullying until the world stands up to it and uh it's uh, It's in their advantage to have one country at a time sparring with them because they're bigger than everyone. So uh, uh, I think Mr. Easter's comment should be taken with a lot of um, consideration. And I think Premier McNeil, who's retiring soon, um, probably less so.
0: Hmm. All right. Uh, let's talk about gun control legislation, which is, uh, which is being introduced this week. And one development, which municipalities in Canada have been asking for, some of them anyway, um, is that the federal government appears to be on the verge of allowing municipalities to ban handguns. There are those who support this and those who say it actually should be the federal government that does that, not individual mis- municipalities so that there's a hodgepodge of rules across the country. What do you think about that?
1: Yeah, I, I think hodgepodges are not a good thing when it comes to guns, uh, you know, that there should be. And I think there is a fair bit of uh, of agreement among Canadians that uh, gun control is something that is worthwhile and something that must be pursued. And how we do it, of course, is always the problem. The devil is in the details, right, from the long gun registry fiasco and then, the you know, the Harper government's overturning of that, you um, uh, but at the same time, um, you know, when you have uh, mass shootings or drive-bys, or gang warfare and all that kind of stuff, uh, something has to be done. Now, that said, no single measure is going to achieve uh, greater safety for the public. So you have to look at the root causes of, of gang membership and, and the kind of social alienation that causes mass shooters and and unbalanced people to use guns that way. Um, You have to have gun control. You have to have export controls, import controls, I mean. You have to have strict border surveillance for weapons being smuggled in and out of the country. Uh, You have to control ammunition. And you have to educate people um, so that it's not as acceptable, shall we say, socially acceptable, to have these types of weapons. you know, these these uh, assault rifles and all that don't have a function outside of killing people. And if gun collectors really want to keep them in the safe and go down and look at their AR-15s and think how beautiful they are and everything like that, I guess they'd be like glorified stamp collectors at that point. Um, but you know that's not the use that they're going to be put to, and they're still the object of, of constant theft. So, you know, there's a thousand things that have to be done, And uh, it requires uh, cooperation on all levels of government. But uh, a piecemeal approach, I I just don't see how that's going to work all that well.
0: All right. Great to have your comments on all of this today, Dan. Thank you. Okay, Mark. That's Dan Legere, longtime political writer and
1: broadcaster. We are now moving forward uh, to enable those bylaws passed by the cities uh, to have uh, federal and criminal consequences uh, for anyone who violates them.
0: Now, here's what political columnists and commentators are writing about today. In an editorial, the Toronto Star argues this is not the handgun ban Canada needs. The Star writes, Bill C-21 is the strongest set of gun control measures to date, but it is still not strong enough to do the job that's so desperately needed to tackle gun violence in this country. The federal government has left the most important part of the job of gun control, banning handguns, up to thousands of individual municipalities. Municipal bylaws are not meant for banning handguns. This is a federal responsibility, and the federal government needs to own it. In the National Post, Rupa Subramania argues the Canada Pension Plan Investment Board's $56 billion invested in Chinese companies is unethical. Subramania writes, While there is no legal ban on these investments, the ethics, especially for a crown corporation investing taxpayers' money, are highly problematic. Anyone serious about punishing the Chinese government for its human rights violations needs to look beyond symbolic actions like the recent declaration against illegal detention. Preventing Chinese firms from accessing much-needed Western investment dollars and resources would hit the regime where it hurts. At National News Watch, Glenn Pearson argues it's increasingly difficult to compromise or find common ground when talking politics. Pearson writes, The need for common ground to generate effective politics used to depend on open-mindedness. The more curious a politician was, the more they were likely to comprehend at least part of their opponent's view. That approach now appears to be replaced by rigid ideological outlooks that only grow more inflamed. What we have witnessed in America serves as a timely warning to Canadian politicians. One must seek and build on a better understanding rather than residing in the comforts of one's own prejudice. Now, here's what's coming up on Canada's political agenda. The Prime Minister will attend the Liberal caucus meeting virtually and also question period. Indigenous Services Minister Mark Miller will take part in a news conference to provide an update on COVID-19. Public Safety Minister Bill Blair... We'll speak about the new firearms legislation as well as federal support for crime prevention and community safety. And Employment Minister Carla Qualtro will announce project funding for the 2020 Union Training and Innovation Program. That's CPAC Today in Politics for Wednesday, February the 17th. Tune into Primetime Politics tonight on CPAC for coverage of all the day's events. Our podcast returns tomorrow morning. Have a great day.